G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 8 of This Week in Startups Australia. The world has changed completely, all within the space of a single month. At the start of March, coronavirus was something that was still mostly over there and safely out of mind. Now, the global economy has ground to a halt, international borders are closed, tens, possibly hundreds of millions find themselves out of work, and perhaps a third of the planet is under some form of lockdown. It sounds like fiction, but we all know it's true. How do we come to grips with the biggest event? not just health, but economic and diplomatic and social that any of us have seen in our lives. Welcome back to a Twister series unlike any that has come before. In this episode, we talk to two founders, previous Twister guests, about how the pandemic has changed the way they're working and how they're adapting to this new world. Learning lessons in real time on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. Series 8 of This Week in Startups Australia is proudly sponsored by the University of Technology, Sydney, driving the next generation of entrepreneurs. UTS is equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build a foundation for a successful career. To find out more about entrepreneurship at UTS and the UTS Startups Program, go to startups.uts.edu.au. What happens when you have a high-growth startup on its way to unicorn status and a pandemic sweeps away the entire world as they've known it? Now, entrepreneurs specialize in operating on the edge in situations with high risk where very little can be taken for granted. So you'd reckon they might survive, maybe even thrive in a pandemic. But is this really true? So to find out, we're speaking with two Australian startup founders each of whom has different problems and different opportunities presented by the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, in this segment, we'll be speaking to someone who is the co-founder of one of Australia's hottest startups. We talked to Ricky Sutton back in Series 6. His startup, Uvu, has since gone from strength to strength, rewriting the rules and the profits for media companies struggling to maintain a foothold against Google and Facebook. Ricky, welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. It's great to see you. How is it all going? Just sort of give us the 50,000 foot view right now. Well, we're living a very different world. Um, We are uh, working from home. Uh, Our customers are publishers. And so they're also working from home, trying to report the news from their lounge rooms, which is just a completely different experience for everybody. So it's too early to say how it's going at the moment, except for the fact that our phone hasn't stopped ringing. You just heard another one of my calls just come in then. So, um, yeah, lots of demand. We're just trying to find a new way to work in a new environment. So how and when did Uvu make the decision to work from home? Did you sort of wait until the 
Premier said, okay, that's what's going to happen. Or did you anticipate? How did you see that developing? No, we did the exact opposite. I was, um, I was sitting in LinkedIn and there was a post from a friend of mine called Adir Schiffman, who you may know. Mm. He's been on the show. So yes. Right. There you go. So he posted, <laughs> he posted, I remember when I was in the uh, uh, global financial crisis and I reacted too slowly. And he said, I remember when I was in the uh, dot-com crash and I reacted too slowly. Uh, the secret here is not to react too slowly. And it put a really cold chill through me. So I thought, well, we get, I don't want to be caught in that. So we made the decision very early to work from home. In fact, I think a lot of people, when I saw their reactions, I think they probably thought we'd overreacted. I, I don't think they feel like that now. Uh, we took the decision that if we were truly an efficient company and we could do it well, we could work from home. So was it hard, though, making that transition? I mean, you didn't necessarily have any of the systems in place, and startups are very much based on face-to-face slow social contact. Mm. No, look, well, it was definitely hard, okay? So it was not easy. Uh, There's a lot of people there that benefit from direct interaction with each other. Um, uh, What was also hard was that I was disrupting the business at a time of high growth. And and so, you know, what was that going to do to us, right? But the truth was the whole world just looked completely different. Um, and so the hardest decision, actually, is a very personal one for me. It involved me having to make a leadership decision that may have been wrong or may have been right. If this had all blown over, I'd have looked very silly. Um, as it happens, it didn't turn out to be like that. So was it hard? It absolutely was. Now, there's this we are in a period of time where as never before in either of our lifetimes people are hungry for news right we're just consuming it all the time so we can find out what's going on in a world where everything is changing every time we're looking around you are assisting news based organizations so how has that pivot toward the news globally affected uvu uh, so they're not just looking for the news they're looking for the news they can trust so if you remember the last time we spoke, Mark, it was uh, shortly after those children in the, um, uh, I think it might have been Bali or Indonesia, had been stuck in the underground cave. Yes. Um, and I remember saying to you at the time, we were discussing it, that you know when a story happens that pulls the heartstrings like that, where every parent can see children stuck underground, you want to make sure you're getting the right information and you know what's going on. That becomes even more profound when you're talking about COVID and the impact on everybody's home. Um, and so what we've seen is news consumption soar for trusted media brands. So we work with over 200 of those across the world. But, you know, in generality, news consumption is up about 5x. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, right. So what we're seeing is, is that page views are up about 5x. But our phone, our phones are ringing because suddenly, you know, what we do is we provide video to those publishers. We enable those publishers to have access to trusted video. Some of the video that's coming out at the moment is just brilliant. And I think the whole world has just woken up and remembered why trusted news matters. So for us, we created Uvu for a world where people woke up to what trusted news means. Um, I really hope it didn't need a pandemic to, to, to do it, but it, but it is, and it's having that effect. Well, I, I mean, you've even seen some of the other organizations such as Google and Facebook and Twitter work very, very hard to make sure that they are not propagating fa- fake news to whatever degree they're able to. So there definitely has been that pivot. Now, you personally 
When I see you over at the studio, you've always either come back from somewhere or you're heading on a flight to somewhere. You have now been home like the rest of us for weeks and weeks and weeks. How has that affected both, I guess, you and your practice as an entrepreneur who has to be running around building the business? Mm. Well, like everybody else, I'm running up a lot of time on Zoom. Um, we, uh, you know, uh, my, my working day now starts at 5 a.m. because the first calls start coming in from the U.S. Mm. at about 5 a.m. And it generally finishes sometime around nine, half past nine, when Singapore, <laughs> a new customer, we've just signed uh, Straits Times in Singapore as a customer. And so, you know, those calls start to start to wane around 9.30. So the day's got very, very long. Um, we've also, uh, just on a personal note, just had a baby a month ago. So congratulations. Uh, adding, Adding a baby to a house always uh, always helps with uh, – he's asleep right now, or otherwise you'd be hearing him over here. But uh, most publishers around the world are aware that I've had a baby. Um, but um, it's nice It's nice not to be traveling, uh, i got to say. Uh, I was on a long-haul flight every five weeks mm. for a year and a half, two years. Um, it's nice to be spending some time at home and also to spend some really distilled, focused time on working out exactly – to, to fix all those things that I just didn't have time to do when I'm running through uh, security checkpoints. So what then has this revealed about yourself and about your startup in this? I, I almost want to think of it more as a timeout where we actually get to calm down a little bit and to focus. What are you learning? Mm. So what I'm learning is, is that I've now got time to, as I mentioned, really spend some focused time having a look at how I buttress all the stuff that we've, that we as a team have, uh, have, have achieved in the last two years. So I remember there's a joke that another entrepreneur said to me that basically said that, you know, running a startup is like jumping out of an airplane and inventing the parachute on the way down. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you've got a finite length of time before you hit the ground. And if you haven't got a parachute that works, you're going to find out. For us, we've just been in hyper growth, helter skelter growth, and it's been absolutely brilliant. But this opportunity has enabled me to sit down here in my apartment, uh, have a good run in the morning to clear my head, then just sit here all day and just think, how do I make sure that all the structures that sit around all of this chaos of the last two years are really strong? Because I can't build a skyscraper on bamboo. Right. I can't. And so it's given us time, given all of us time to sit down and just really think hard about how we put some real proper foundations on our business. And that's unbelievably valuable. And this has been a blessing in many ways, as far as that's concerned. So when I spoke to you last, you were in the middle of raising some more money for the firm. Has the pandemic affected your ability to raise money right now? Is that, is that changing both the landscape and just also your ability to interact with investors? Clearly, um, you know, when when the pandemic hit and the market went down, you know, 20 percent, um, every investor pretty much in the world disappeared. Right. Mm. Um, no one was answering their phone. And it's completely understandable. Um, we're very lucky that we've got some excellent Australian investors that look after us and they've supported us through this process and they're continuing to support us. And that's enormously important. I, I, I dread to think how many. Uh, you know, startups, scale-ups, early-stage companies won't have survived this past four weeks when suddenly revenue goes to zero and costs stay the same, right? I, I, you know, you still got to eat uh, even when the market goes to sleep. So I think that's incredibly hard. But look, what I'd say to you is this, Mark. Um, we were about 80% of the way through raising a considerable Series B round um, uh, out of international markets, out of, out of the U.S. That's not ended. It's just gone to sleep. 
And I think that, you know, until the market returns, I don't think anybody knows we're in completely uncharted territory. So I have, you know, I think the investors are doing exactly the right thing. They're being very sensible. They're having a look to see what's happening to the market. Uh, but for us, you know, what that creates, what what what, what my investors said to me, and, and I love them for it, is they just said, Ricky, what a golden opportunity for you to stop having to worry about all the things that you're normally worrying about. Think triple as three times as hard about every single one of your publishers and try and turn challenge into opportunity. And they are so right because there are so many opportunities that this challenge throws up. How many times in uh, the history of a, of a media company trying to provide a video solution to media companies is going to happen in a market that's growing 5x? Yeah. I mean, it's just perfect. And you mentioned earlier on about Facebook and Google changing their practices. Okay. Uh, and, you know, you've heard me talk about my views on Facebook and Google. They're not my favorite yes. people. Right. The truth of the matter is they're changing their practices because they're trying to protect their earnings. Whereas I think publishers are changing their practices because they're determined to tell the world the truth. There are two major differences there. And I think that, you know, when I'm seeing what's happening with the ACCC here in Australia and I'm seeing what's happening in markets across the world, not only are we seeing a period where, news consumption is increasing, but also people are realizing the importance of trust and the world's governments are recognizing that if somebody publishes a whole load of total untruths and then has no responsibility for it, that's a bad problem in a time of pandemic. It's a it's, As it's a public service announcement, let me just announce, do not inject disinfectants. If anyone has read that in the news, do not inject disinfectants. I have, I have videos on that if you need them. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. Final question. You seem to have learned quite a bit from the pandemic. Do you have any advice for other Australian entrepreneurs on how they can best make it through what is literally an unprecedented period of time? Yeah, I absolutely do. So uh, this is a tip that I'm using that came from Ian Gardner, you know, Ian, obviously, at mm -hmm. Innovation Bay. Ian said to me right at the very beginning of my company, he said, Ricky, there's a million things you're going to do in your startup for the first time, but there's one thing you'll do once it's run out of money. <laughs> and and it's, you know, it's a great piece of advice. Now, yeah. we, um, you know, when this pandemic hit, uh, like many companies of our size, we're in helter-skelter growth, right? We're, we're whatever we make, we spend, we're trying to grow uh, at five times market speed, okay? So, the scary thing was that suddenly uh, spending like that suddenly couldn't continue. And so the key learning here is one that I think lots of people have rung me and told me they have a problem with. And so this is a bit nerdy, but it's so critical if you want to survive this. The truth is you have to have enough money in the bank, not just to pay the next pay round, but to be able to cover all of your liabilities. Everybody forgets that. So when a pandemic happens, and it looks like you're not going to earn any money for the next three to six months. Everybody says, well, I'll just get rid of my staff or I'll reduce my staff. Or, But it's not that simple because those staff have contracts and they have to be paid out for three months or two months or whatever it might be, 90 days, whatever it is. If you don't have enough money to cover all of those liabilities, which don't aren't immediately obvious to you, if you don't have those, you're insolvent. And a whole host of companies have rung me and just said, well, we just didn't realize we needed that much money. We were lucky. We, we, I have an excellent CFO and he had paid a lot of attention to that and made sure that we always had enough money to cover our liabilities. So the piece of advice here is nerdy. I'm sorry, but it's life and death. If you don't have enough money to cover not only next month's payroll, but also the liabilities that you have with the staff you have and an adventure and something like this, a black swan event occurs, it's going to knock you over. And so that, that has been the single most important learning for me. 
Ricky, thank you so much for that valuable advice and for joining us on This Week in Startups Australia. Absolute pleasure, Mark. Thank you, mate. And we'll be right back. Developing entrepreneurial skills is at the heart of the student experience at the University of Technology, Sydney. UTS students are creating their own jobs and starting their own companies through the flagship program, UTS Startups. Within its first year, the program has launched more than 200 student startups, and they're just getting started. Equipping students with the tools and expertise to become entrepreneurs, then connecting them to industry partners and the startup ecosystem is all part of their innovative approach. UTS is connecting thousands of talented students to industry and works closely with a network of partners to match students and startups through their startup internship program. As a leading university of technology and Australia's number one young university, UTS is investing heavily in this future right now. UTS's inner city campus is also uniquely positioned in Sydney's thriving tech precinct to be the catalyst for digital and creative industries and the startup community. Join them on the journey building Australia's largest community of student entrepreneurs. Go to startups.uts.edu.au to find out more. Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. All right, so you've done the hard yards. You've built a great business here in Australia. It's time to go out and explore overseas markets, and you set your sights on the big one, the United States of America. You've done your groundwork. You're ready to launch with a bang, and then all of a sudden the pandemic comes and upsets all of the apple carts, and no one can go anywhere. Now, that's going to be the story for a lot of startups, and I know for a fact it's the story of InSpace. Now, we spoke to founder Justin Liang back in Series 6, and he's joining us again to tell us what's up with his startup's Arrested Development. Welcome back, Justin. Thanks, Mark, for having me. The world certainly looks a bit different from the last time we spoke. It certainly does. So remind us what InSpace does. So InSpace is instant VR simulation software for the building industry um, to instantly translate their architecture CAD files um, in a matter of seconds um, into VR visualization. So we're actually walking through a building before it's built. Um, the goal is to solve the $55 billion wasted annually in construction design mistakes. We also have a uh, professional services arm, um, InSpace Studio. That's the visualization partner to some of the world's largest uh, real estate companies. All right. So if you have this tool that now allows people who are not necessarily present to be able to take tours of buildings, either before they're built or just to be able to sort of show them off, that has to be something that people are actually looking for right now because people can't travel. You know, our business is built on the idea that um, someone would want to walk through a building before it exists. And interestingly enough, uh, you know, today people now also need to be able to walk through a building that that does exist and use that visualization to make a significant decision. Um, you know, whether it's a, a buying or leasing or, or an investment decision. So, are you in the unusual position of having a product that's actually more in demand because of the pandemic? Yeah, so you know, both both for unbuilt spaces, but you know, as I mentioned, um, you know, as of 
as of the past six weeks, we've become the largest supplier on the east coast of Australia for um, virtual tours of, of, of existing spaces. Um, so it's definitely an opportunity that has risen from COVID. Wow. So now when we actually spoke, and just in the interest of transparency, I have been an advisor in a formal capacity to you in the past. So I happen to know some of what the business does. I, you told me and you were very excited in the sort of second half of last year that you were building toward doing a big launch in the United States. Now, how did you sort of come to that decision? Why did you pick the USA as a market? Well, you know, we've always had our eyes on the global market um, from day one, but the U.S. represents 23% of our addressable markets. Um, the companies that we want to form closer partnerships with are there, both tech, technical partnerships uh, and, and business partnerships. Um, and yeah, I, you know, in, in February, I had my bags packed ready to move to L.A. Um, just before everything changed. All right. So how did you deal with that fundamental sort of interruption in the business's growth strategy? Um, well, you know, when this all happened, I think we, we sort of saw the writing on the wall that, um, you know, our team, uh, first and foremost, just needs to be uh, protected. So we look, we transitioned to a work from home policy uh, pretty quickly, probably two weeks ahead of everyone else. Um, the introverts loved it. The extroverts found it tedious. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, and yeah, we, we basically ran some numbers based on world situations, good, bad, and ugly, and created a, a strategy for, for each situation. Um, and, you know, over the past few weeks, it became pretty clear that most of our business was going to come from Australia, uh, you know, New Zealand, and our schedule of global expansion has, has probably been changed up a little bit. All right. So you're really taking a look now at being able to do what you can to grow nationally and perhaps with New Zealand a little bit internationally rather than trying to take on the great big, the quarter of the world market, which is the U.S. Does that mean that you're now thinking of the growth strategy for the business differently? It's cash needs, it's planning? Not so much cash needs. Uh, I think it's it's more about sales process. So typically for for in space, we meet with our customers and we show them our product, you know, through a VR headset. And uh, now we're, we're not able to do that um, on a global scale. So it's about how do we communicate the value, uh, you know, through the web and how do we partner with us, uh, sales partners in those countries um, to, to, to scale that way. It's interesting so because you have a virtual product and yet the way that you sell it is very face-to-face, very tactile. So you're now pivoting the entire sort of sales and marketing so that it can be as virtual as the product is. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's always been the goal anyway to move to a fully digital conversion funnel. Um, it's just it's just accelerated that um, – yeah. You know, it's interesting because a lot of what's happened, I guess, as a result of the pandemic is a lot of processes that people are like, oh, yeah, we'll digitize that later or we'll move toward that. All of a sudden, all of those got radically speeded up. But that then, when we come out of the pandemic, that also means that you now have more capacity to sell globally without actually having to be in front of a customer globally as well, right? Exactly right. Instead of, you know, launching in five countries this year, we could probably launch in 50. <laughs> All right. So what happens now? What is the path forward for the business as we start and particularly in Australia, you know, that we're blessed in that we seem to be coming out of this a little earlier? What's the path forward? Yeah. So 
there's definitely some opportunities that have that have emerged from us. Um, you know, one, one of them is creating virtual tours for existing spaces, and we built that business pretty quickly. So we're doubling down on that, and uh, and really um, working with our existing customers who are who are the largest real estate companies in Australia anyway um, to, to to help the industry find a new way to to, to transact in property. But you know, we, we also have to see. How the property market plays out over the next 30, 60, uh, 90 days. Um, and I, as I said, with the in space uh, software, which is subscription based, uh, yeah, we'll just need to figure out um, what that new sales process looks like. Um, but we, you know, we have built a quite large customer base already. And the renewal rates from our first few cohorts of customers has, have been fantastic. So I think we're focused on. Um, yeah, j- just supporting the customers that we've already got. And it's interesting because you do a lot of work in construction. And construction is one of the areas in the economy that literally has not stopped. There have been people building over at the University of Sydney across from me the entire length of time that we've been in this sort of quasi-lockdown. So in some ways, construction has been almost the least affected sector, perhaps other than, say, uh, supermarkets and things like that. Yeah, that's right. And I won't mention who, but you know, we're working with a pretty large um, construction company to create virtual site inductions. <laughs> exactly. Right. So so that people can be trained without having to be face to face so that it's, it's again it's adding that layer of safety. That's right. Instead of 50, you know, people piling into a room every morning, um how do you get briefed virtually which again probably should be how the way things are are done in the future anyway. It's just accelerated that timeline. Wow. All right. Now, you've probably learned quite a bit about yourself and your business through this. So do you have any advice for other Australian startup entrepreneurs on how they might make it through this very unprecedented time? Yeah. Capping the downside and going on the defense is not a natural thing for entrepreneurs. Um, As founders, we like risk and going after the upside. So, uh, and yeah, sometimes the seas have to be stirred to catch fish. And there's a lot of opportunity that has risen because of COVID. Um, my advice is find an opportunity and go on the offensive. Um, fortune favors the bold. Justin, thank you for coming on this week in Startups Australia. Great. Thanks, Mark. In Ricky's story about Uvu and Justin's story about InSpace XR, you can see that the journey for every entrepreneur through a time of great difficulty, in this case, the pandemic, but it could be anything. It could be one of your investors going broke. It could be one of your customers going belly up. It could be any unexpected event. Every entrepreneur brings to that moment a different set of experiences and a different set of skills that drives them through. But the key element here is that they're always looking for that way through. That no matter how bad the environment gets, no matter how much things change, the founder is keeping their eye on moving forward, whatever it takes. And you can tell both of these businesses will come out of the other side of the pandemic bigger and better than before because their founders have that kind of capacity. Big thanks to Twista Sponsors UTS. Their support makes our podcast possible. Thanks to Ricky Sutton and Justin Lang for taking the time to come onto our show. Now, come visit our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. 
It's got all the shows. It's got all the interviews. It's got all the photos, all the links, and all the stories. So please check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We will be back in a fortnight taking a look at two startups that have taken the pandemic and done even better by it. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia. Stay well and be safe.